Hello and welcome to another episode of Painting the Padres. Wow, big news here in Padreland. Xander Bogarts is coming down to San Diego, joining his good friend Don Arcillo as a San Diego Padre member. Pretty incredible stuff considering everything that we already have in terms of star power. To add a bat like this is quite incredible. You may be wondering on a little bit of a side note why I am the one starting this episode today. And well, with finals going on this week, Johnny and I were not able to connect on a time to do this episode and we needed to get this one out. So I will be doing a solo pod. Hopefully you're okay hearing this voice for the next 20 to 30 minutes. But yeah, let's kind of dive deep into the Sander Bogart signing with the San Diego Padres and kind of how it all came to fruition. Start of the winter meetings on Monday, there was rumors that the Potters have kind of been interested in maybe a star shortstop, though. Did it feel like it was AJ Preller being AJ Preller? Yeah, it kind of did. Checking in on everyone, who knows? But then it comes out that we made an aggressive offer for Trey Turner, way more money than he actually ended up getting to go to Philadelphia. However, he decided to go to Philadelphia. Then the rumors started to come about that, oh, well, you know, that was just a one-and-done thing. The Padres wanted him, but now that they didn't get him, they're going to move on to some more reasonable options. But next thing you know, two days later, three days later, oh, yeah, Padres are prepared to offer Aaron Judge 14 years at $400 million. Now, there was never necessarily a formal offer of that, though it sounded like they were ready to do it, which is genuinely quite incredible considering what they already have financially committed with the Machados and the Tatises and even the Soto, Musgrove, World, Darvish, you know, these guys are making quite a bit of money and the Padres are already just barely under the first luxury tax threshold, that of which they've already gone over numerous times. And we know they've been a small market team for the last, I don't know, 53 years that they've been in existence. So this seems like a stretch to go after a guy like Turner or Judge, but clearly Seidler and Preller are committed to winning a championship and winning that championship now. So that's when they turn their attention to Xander Bogarts, arguably the most consistent hitter on the market this year. He has put up year after year of production down in Boston with not much variance throughout that. The last, what is that, five years? So all the way back to 2018, the lowest OPS plus that he's put up is 128, which is sincerely incredible when you consider how difficult hitting a baseball is and just to kind of put the OPS plus in context it's essentially the percentage that you are greater than league average league average being 100 so he's been at minimum a 28 percent better hitter than the league average hitter in baseball which is quite high and to consistently put those numbers up is incredible and it's also reflected in the five silver sluggers that he now has he's been a four-time all-star not to mention a two-time world series champion so when you hear the potters are considering him you know it's probably going to be you guys and the red Sox at this point and the more and more reports are coming out the more and more we come to find out the red Sox are gaining momentum. That's the word that we're hearing. Momentum, momentum, momentum. And as a Padre fan, you're like, well, yeah, here it goes again. We've missed out on Turner. We missed out on Judge. You know, we're probably going to miss out on Xander. And keeping in mind the fact that going into the offseason, not many Padres fans even had these guys on their radar. We didn't think we had this type of money to spend this year. So while it may be a short-term excitement period for Padres fans it's still disappointing when you know you're actually going after these guys 
But bang, nine o'clock ish Pacific time at night when a lot of Red Sox fans were asleep. Passan bomb. Padres signing Xander freaking Bogarts to an 11 year, $280 million contract. Now, ironically, my first thought was not, holy cow, we got Xander Bogarts. My first thought was, holy cow, we gave Xander Bogarts a 30 year old shortstop 11 years. That was initially my first thought, and I know a lot of Padres fans had that hesitation too. But once you kind of get past that, you realize it's completely worth it. The big reason they went for that 11 years is to get that AAV down. It allows you know luxury tax and, and the money that we have to pay the first you know five years of the deal when we expect him to still be a pretty good producer. Keep that down. A lot of these deals that you're seeing, these long-term deals, we haven't seen before. We've never seen guys get paid into their 40s consistently like we have this offseason, though it appears the, that the new strategy is get the AAV down with inflation and all sorts of other things going on in the next 10 years. We'll figure it out. But we also have this window to win a World Series now. And if we can do that, who cares if we're paying Xander Bogarts $25 million in his ages 38 to 41 season and he's a below average hitter and is you know platooning at DH for us at that point. Who cares if we get a ring or two? So that's kind of the way the Padres are looking at it, and I am all for it, especially a franchise like us who has never won a World Series. You got to do things like this if you want to win. Might it hurt you in the long run? Sure. But if you get that ring, 110%, it is all worth it. And Padres fans, we know, only thing the city of San Diego deserves more than having players on the team like this and an ownership like Seidler is a World Series championship. So let's kind of talk about what Xander's going to bring to the table beyond the finances. We know the $25 million and a half AAV for the next 11 years, no trade clause, no opt-outs. He's a Padre for the next 11 years unless they cut him or he accepts the trade, which usually does not happen. So plugging him in immediately at, immediately at shortstop is going to be the play here. I think before we had him, it was going to be a question of Tatis, is he going to be shortstop or outfield? Um, if he was shortstop, obviously you're going to slide Kim to second, Cronenworth to first, and have to fill another outfield hole. If he stays in the outfield, your outfield is probably set with him, Grisham, and Soto, Kim, Cronenworth, and you would need a first baseman. But instead of moving Tatis and then figuring out that hole later, they found a shortstop. So Xander is going to be the shortstop. Now, I've heard some fans get a little bit hesitant on the fact that we have Hassan Kim, one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball. Why would we put him at second base when Bogarts, who has had a spotty defensive career at short, why can't he go play first or you know second base even because you got Kim? Well, here's the reason. Xander Bogarts is a star. He is not going to play anywhere else but shortstop and for those of you who understand that he's had defensive struggles in his career, just look to last year where he was in the 88th percentile in outs above average, which is a defensive metric that talks about range and the ability to make rangy plays. He was one of the better defensive shortstops in the entire game last year. So there was clearly uh, an improvement from Xander, and I think the Padres saw that and are more than comfortable having him at short. Kim being a second baseman, not only does that make him a better positional value, meaning at shortstop, you know, he might have been a 10 to 15 best shortstop in the game, but at second, with his range and defense and his quick arm on plays up the middle, he's going to be a phenomenal defensive second baseman, and the bat's going to play a lot more there. 
there's a no more shifting. So having a rangy second baseman all of a sudden becomes a lot more important, especially if you can have a guy that can move to his right up the middle and make that throw across his body. Kim's, we know, has a very strong arm. So any sort of ground ball up the middle that it gets to his backhand, he's not going to be a noodle arm second baseman like we've had in the Adam Frazier's of the world. And even to an extent, Cronenworth, where I shouldn't say Cronenworth has a noodle arm, but you know we've seen better arms at second. Kim is going to make plays like that. So I expect him to be an elite, elite, elite defensive second baseman, if not the best defensive second baseman in baseball next year. And we've all seen Cronenworth at first base. We know the versatility that he provides. And man... We're going to have a consistent first baseman that maybe offensively isn't the stereotypical profile of a slugging first first baseman. We're going to get a great defender, and we're going to have someone who should rebound from last year, knowing the potential that Cronenworth has. And if he can rebound from a quote-unquote down year last year, that infield is beyond elite. So I don't find too many issues there. And like we said, Tatis now probably settles into left or right. I am more of the belief he should settle into right field and moving Soto to left. I think left field is generally slightly easier to play. And given that Soto's defensive struggles out in right have been well shown, especially in Padre land so far, I think a change of scenery to left wouldn't hurt him by any means. And Tatis just has a slightly better arm to go play right. And right field is more of a guy who has that, that mold of strong arm. Now, I know some people want us to move on from Grisham, and trust me, I'm going to get into Bogarts here in a second, but some people do want us to move on from Grisham. I'm going to put a hard no onto that right now. Elite defensive center fielder who is on a league minimum contract. With all the big contracts we have, we still need some guys like that, guys. We cannot just run out a bunch of big payrolls, so we need to rely on Grisham to bounce back, and even if he doesn't turn into the 2020 Trent Grisham, if he can at least kind of find a middle ground between last year and there, we saw the heroics in the playoffs, he is going to be well worth it to stick with in center field, and our outfield defense, while it may struggle wherever Soto is, could be pretty elite with him and Tatis, and the athleticism is off the charts, so that could be something fun to watch. Alrighty, so now that we kind of got that positioning aspect of it out of the way, let's dive into Xander Bogarts himself. I mentioned the defense. It's definitely improved. Could there be some regression? Probably will be. He doesn't have the strongest of arms at shortstop, but he definitely worked on transferring the ball a lot quicker, getting the ball out of his hand quicker, which you have to do to make up for a lack of arm strength. So that is good. The hitter, though. That's what we're paying for. We're paying for the hitter that is Xander Bogarts. I mentioned the consistency and the elite consistency that he's put up the last five years. Been an MVP conversation in 2019 when he was an all-star. Was fifth. He's also placed 13th, 17th, 12th, and 9th in the MVP voting. Those are all within the last five years, guys. He has been one of the best players in the game of baseball consistently. And I continue to say consistently because that's what he provides. He posts. And I know how much Padre fans appreciate the fact that Manny Machado is at third base day in, day out, barely has days off. And when he, you know, bends his ankle sideways, he's out there in 12 days later. Xander Bogarts is no different. You look at those last, oh, not even five seasons, go all the way back to 2014, his official rookie season. He did get a taste of taste of the big leagues in 2013. Listen to this. He has not played under 135 games one time, if you exclude the 2020 COVID season, of course. He is consistently 
on the field. And the injuries he has, similar similarly to Machado last year, he comes back from really quick. I don't think we talk about it enough in the game how important it is to be on the field. You can be the best player in the game, and we see this with Fernando. Genuinely could be the best player in the entire sport, but if you're not on the field, it doesn't matter. And this is exactly what Bogarts does. He's going to be a, a presence that's short. Him and Manny are going to be there 150 games each, and they're just going to rake. They're going to rake. They're going to post. And when the season ends through the ups and downs of a of a regular season, 162 games, the batting stats and the rate stats are just going to be phenomenal. They're going to each hit their home runs. They're going to each slug their doubles and they're all going to have over 85 RBIs. It's just what's going to happen. These guys just do it so consistently. And it's so exciting to have a guy like Bogarts. You kind of look at the stat cast numbers on him. You know, he's above average and, you know, exit velocity, uh, expected stats, you know, the stats that predict what he's going to be in terms of batting average and on base percentage. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. He strikes out, but not a whole lot. And he walks a little bit above league average. He's really good bat to ball skills. And that's kind of what you pay for with him. Another thing that I find kind of interesting, and I, for whatever reason in my mind, assume that he hit more home runs. He is not the biggest power threat. He had some seasons where he hit 30 in 2019, probably his best season. He did poke 33 over the wall. He's had three other seasons besides that one where he's uh, reached that 20 home run plateau. But last year, he only hit 15 home runs. Not a huge home run hitting guy, but boy, does he hit doubles. You have to be looking at a guy who has put up at least 30 doubles every season since 2015, excluding, of course, the COVID 2020 season. 30. He's had one season with 45, and then that MVP run season where he was fifth was with 52 doubles, consistently slugging. Now, it's not going over the fence as much as maybe some people would like, but I am I will gladly trade home runs for a guy who can put the bat on the ball a lot more, is a known great situational hitter and can easily easily put up 30 doubles in the season that is phenomenal is he gonna get a ton of triples no is he gonna swipe a ton of bags no he'll probably be you know in the five to ten range there but he just hits doubles and he's so good situationally guys I think that's something that we kind of lacked last year. If you look at what our big holes were last year, it's not the rotation. It was not the bullpen, though we had some ebbs and flows, of course. But the offense was just not situational. How many times we we led Major League Baseball last year and runners left on in scoring position? We were breaking records as the year progressed of just leaving guys on base. That doesn't mean we have to hit a grand slam every time the bases are loaded with no outs. But if you know, bases are loaded with notes and Xander comes up. It's a sack fly to deep right field, moves the runner over to third, scores a guy. And then Cronoworth comes up and, you know, hits a ground ball to second base or, you know, sack fly too. And we get two runs out of it. That's significantly better than last year. So this is another thing that Xander provides. He just puts the bat on the ball. He's not going to strike out a ton. And we're going to be able to rely on him to come through in key situations. I will 100% take less homers for a guy who just hits and we've seen the home run ball is super important we know that it can change a game in the playoffs in any moment and Xander can easily run into a ball that is not a question 
but he's not a guy who's trying to hit a home run. He's trying to hit line drives, and he peppered a ton off the green monster down in Fenway. So that could lead to a lot more home runs at Petco, given the fact that there isn't a 500-foot mammoth wall out there in left field to stop the ball. So sure, he's going to hit some high fly balls that maybe get caught at the warning track that would have gotten out at Fenway or at least hit the wall and been a single or double. But I'm going to take a guy like Xander who consistently hits the ball on the line to be okay. I think he's going to figure it out. Will there be some ebbs and flows with the new league and a new team and a new division to learn all these pitchers? Sure, sure. But also keep in mind, we're going to be playing every team this year. So it's not like we're going to play the NL West teams 80 times total and maybe play, you know, one of the divisions in the AL that he's seen consistently. We're playing all teams. So for Xander, it's still going to be a learning curve, though. It may not be as big as it was for Manny or even Eric Cosmer to an extent when they came over. Those first years were really down years, though. Hosmer is probably a bad example, but you get my point. There should be less of a, a learning curve in that sense for Xander. Potential lineups. Obviously, that's where your mind goes first. And we've seen the stats thrown around and, and the opinions on you know the MLB networks and the ESPNs of the world. Is this the best top four in baseball? And without a question, undoubtedly, yes. There's no better top four offensively in baseball, especially when these guys are performing. And you're not talking about guys like this isn't for Fernando Tatises, right? This isn't guys who have been hurt consistently and have ups and downs all the time. Manny Machado doesn't get hurt consistently posts MVP numbers every year. Xander Bogarts is playing shortstop 150 games a season and is posting numbers every single year. Juan Soto, obviously he had the down second half, but we know that's not going to happen again next year. Consistently the best hitter in the entire sport. Then you bring in Fernando the wild card. Well, if he even has a down year, you still have three of the best hitters in the entire sport on your team. And let's say Fernando comes back and is the Fernando Tatis Jr. that we know, or even like 90%, 80% of that. That is still such an elite top four. It does not get better than that, guys. And just, you know, we obviously have to wait, what is it, 20-ish games or something like that for Fernando to come back. But once he does, you can play with this lineup. Um, I think it's what I would do, this is what I would do, and I feel like you can miss, mix it around a little bit, though I feel like it's pretty clearly going to be Fernando's spot to lead off. Soto, Machado, and Xander don't really profile as leadoffs, not just because they're not speed guys, but you can have a Kyle Schwarber, but none of those guys are really his type of player. They're just elite hitters, and usually elite hitters you want in the two or three hole. So we're not going to have either either of those three guys um, leading off. Now, Fernando won. I think you have to go Soto too. Batting Soto anywhere lower than two is just crazy for the sole fact that he's going to consistently get on base and you have guys that drive and runs like Manny and Sander behind him. I think it's a pretty obvious one too. Now, there could be some debate here whether you go Xander three or Manny four. Um, obviously, both guys drive and runs, both guys slug, both guys get on base a ton. So who do you want to drive in who kind of becomes the question. Manny Machado is the face of this franchise. Manny Machado is an MVP could have easily won MVP last year. He has to be posted at that three spot. Now, if for whatever reason he's having slightly a bit of a down year, yeah, push him back to four, push Xander to three. But I, no one expects him to have a down year. It's Manny freaking Machado. And it's also kind of a contract year for him in a sense because he can't opt out. So Manny three, Xander four. I think that's what you end up doing. So just to kind of read it off 
and I'll kind of maybe fill out the rest of the lineup here. You're going to go Fernando Tatis, Juan Soto, Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, probably Jay Cronenworth. Then after that, you have to fill in Grisham, Nola, and a DH spot, as well as Hassan Kim. So you have those four guys. Now, all four of those guys are kind of interchangeable. I think you kind of like the idea of Nola batting ninth. He's a great nine hitter, gets on base for Tati, because you would like a guy on base for Tati, given the fact that he can hit slug too. So having Nola in that nine hole will also allow him to get better pitches to hit, and we know what kind of at bats he puts up. So pressure on the pitcher to throw him strikes, that would be great. Kim could be anywhere from seven to eight. And then obviously you have Grisham, same thing, seven to eight. So ideally you want to add someone who can hit in that six hole at the designated hitter position. I don't love any of those three guys at the six hole. So if we can get someone like a Brandon Drury type, not to not going to get into too many type guys to fill in that six hole, the lineup becomes elite. Because a bottom three of Grisham, Nola, and Kim, that's an elite bottom three. That can that's a bottom three that can carry you in a playoff series like they did last year. They can all get hot, and if they can all put up elite at bats, and that's what's crucial. So we can get that six hitter to kind of bridge that gap from the Cronenworth to them, or even a five hitter that can push Cronenworth to six. That lineup is very, 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 very good. Last thing I kind of want to touch on here about the Bogart signing. Again, elite, elite hitter, right? We know that, and we have him for 11 years. Isn't an insurance policy for Manny Machado? That's the question that a lot of people have. And my answer to that is no. And here's why. Manny Machado is going to be a San Diego Padre for the rest of his career. I can guarantee you this. Peter Seidler, you see the commitment this guy has to winning, but also the relationships he has with these players. He's not an absent owner who's just throwing out money and saying, yeah, use my money. He's not an owner who sits up in the box, watches the game, makes sure his face gets seen on TV, and then dips in the seventh inning after he's made his public appearance. Seidler wants to win, not just for the city, not just for his egotistical self. He is a baseball guy. He wants to win. He's competitive and he wants to win. He wants to bring a championship to the city and he wants to do so as a legacy thing for him and his family. He will not, will not let Machado reach free agency. I promise you, Manny Machado will have a new contract before there's even a chance that he would opt out. Maybe it comes in that you know first five-day window of the offseason next year even, but there's just no chance, I guarantee you. If another team talks to Manny Machado, in my eyes, that is a failure by Peter Seidler. And I don't want to dog on Seidler if that were to happen because he's done so much right. But I just don't see it happening. He is a relationships guy. We've seen the relationship he's built with Machado. It's evident. You can look at the pictures from when the Padres moved on against the Dodgers in the NLDS last year. You know, him and Seidler were just having a good old time together. Manny had his arm around him. Great picture. You know, they're they're close. And Manny understands its importance to the city too. Manny is not at the point in his career where he's going to go out and take, you know, 10 more million in total cash value to go play for some random team. It would hurt, but I really just don't feel like there's any way that Manny wants to be anything but a Padre for the rest of his career. And that can be cemented by a World Series championship this year. If we can bring home a World Series championship, I promise you Manny is getting a three- to four-year contract extension to finish out his career as a Padre, getting his statue and getting his number retired in 10, 15 years. Not going to happen. I think the bigger wild card now becomes Soto. You know, we still have him for two more years, so there's no pressure to extend him right now. though. Seidler seems to want to do it. We know just the guy is a billionaire. 
and whether or not we want to accept the fact that a small market team can spend. The Padres fans, we talk about Manny and Xander posting all the time in their positions. Padres fans are posting their butts in the seats a hundred times a season to go watch this team in the regular and postseason. They're spending the money. They are accepting the, the right the raised ticket prices because if you're going to put this product on the field, people are going to go to the games. They are acknowledging that Siler is giving them what we've wanted forever in this city, and they want to go watch Manny Machado play. They want to go watch Joe Musgrove pitch. They want to go watch Darvis pitch. They want to go watch Juan Soto play. Now they're going to want to watch Xander, and people will get over themselves, and they're going to want to watch Tatis. I promise anyone who still is mad at him, give it two weeks and watch the dude play, and you're going to want to go to the ballpark and watch Fernando. There's so much talent on this roster. It's scary. It's scary. And I'm at the point now where I am confident in saying this is the best on-paper roster in the entire league. I think the Astros have a really good one. I think the Yankees have a good-ish one right now. Obviously, you got to respect the Dodgers, but I genuinely think we're better than them now, at least on paper. Obviously, the Braves and the Mets have put together good teams. I'm not taking a team over this Padres team. Am I biased? Sure. But there's no team in baseball I'm going to take over my San Diego Padres. This team is elite. There's still holes to fill. They're still in on Sanga. They still want to fill that DH spot with someone other than, I don't know, freaking David Dahl or whatever. They're going to make another splash. Whether it's Sanga, whether it's a Seth Lugo, they're not done spending, guys. So stay glued to Twitter because whatever Preller has in store for the rest of this offseason will not only cement the fact that the Padres are the best team, but it won't become my opinion. It'll become fact going in to the 2023 regular season. So, with all that said, get excited for Xander Bogarts. Go buy his jerseys, guys. This guy is an elite hitter. He lengthens this lineup unbelievably so. He makes this team ridiculously athletic. Elite base runner. I know I didn't talk too much about that, but he's an elite base runner. He knows what he is doing. He's a baseball junkie. If you didn't have a chance to go watch his press conference, go do so. This guy loves the game of baseball more so than I've ever seen in a press conference, at least in my lifetime. Seems like a great guy. I'm super excited to cheer on Xander and this Padres team for the 2023 season. So thank you guys again so much for listening to this episode of Painting the Padres. I hope you're excited as I am about Xander and this upcoming season. We deserve this. And even if we don't get a World Series championship this year, it's okay because Siler will spend the money. But I really think this is our year, guys, to really push forward and you know help health bearing and performance bearing. There's just so much talent on this roster, guys. Man, we have freaking Josh Hader and Suarez as our seven eight. Excuse me, as our eight nine. It just we're so elite. We're so elite. So have a great one, guys, and let's go Padres. Talk to you later.